Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the CM360 podcast. I'm Richard Steenan, Chief Research Analyst at IT Harvest. I'm a book author and I work with IT security technology providers on their go-to-market and I'm a trusted advisor to VCs and private equity firms. IT Harvest is an industry analyst firm that covers over 3,600 vendors in the industry. Today, I'm joined with by Chris Cochran, who is advisory CISO and chief evangelist at Huntress. And we're here to discuss the future of cybersecurity leadership. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Richard. Always good to chat. Yeah, this is a fun topic. Um, start off by telling me what your take on the current state of leadership in cybersecurity is. Uh, we're all exposed to it on LinkedIn every day. Uh, everybody's chiming in in different ways. Um, how do you see you know, where we are today evolving throughout 2024 and beyond? Yeah, I would say there's a couple different ways to look at the leadership in cybersecurity. One way to look at it is cybersecurity leaders are in a tough spot. If you go back to late 2022, there was an economic downturn that everyone's having to deal with, and we're still dealing with the echoes of that today. And honestly, you're having these cybersecurity practitioners and leaders that are having to do more with less. They're having to continue to fight the threats that are changing, evolving, and they're sometimes getting less budget. Sometimes they're getting less personnel. Maybe they're at status quo and are not able to add to their program. So they're dealing with a tough time. So what are they going to be able to do with the folks that they have, the technology that they have, and the processes that they already have in place? But then you could look even further to the folks that are maybe their IT leaders in their space, and they're also having to do cybersecurity practice type stuff. And that's not their first language. So they're having an even rougher time because now they're managing IT and they're managing security. And maybe even both of those budgets are getting cut. So they're really having a tough time these days from that perspective. Yeah, and we still seem to have the continuous turnover in CISO ranks. Um, some, you know, say it's musical chairs where everybody just gets up and moves to a different chair every two right. or three years. And you, mm -hmm. do you see that continuing even, you know, with lower budgets? Cause if you're going to keep firing your CISOs and hiring new ones, every time you tend to pay them more, there's a lot of budget goes towards that. Yep. Yep. That still happens. I think what happens is a miscommunication of what a CISO does or even what a security program does. The security program is there to help protect the organization, but it's not a bulletproof vest. It's not an unhackable fortress that creates this bubble of safety for your organization. You know, folks are doing their best, but it's not going to be completely perfect. Uh, it's few and far between that you see a CISO get let go because of a breach uh, or something like that. But I, I do say that it does happen on occasion. And I would say that those are the folks that I would want in the chair, the folks that have handled incidents like that, because they've been in the, the trenches. They, they fought through uh, what in most cases is the worst day of a CISO's life. So I would say that the folks that have been uh, battle hardened to some uh, degree or another are the folks that you would want in that chair. But yeah, I would say that a lot of uh, the folks that are leaving, a lot of the rotating chair has to do with senior leadership and enabling those CISOs to protect the way they feel they need to protect the organization. And if you're continuing to cut budget, if you're delaying budget, it's going to be hard for them to execute against their mission. And so I think that some CISOs are leaving because of that. 
Yeah, makes sense. What are some of the particular challenges that CISOs and IT directors of security are facing right now, particularly in the managed services space? Yeah, I'll say that's two-pronged as well. When you look at managed service providers, especially when you're talking about the the 99%, so we're talking enterprise and below, these are the folks that might have a small IT shop or maybe even one person managing IT, and they might not have folks that are doing security full-time. You'll have IT practitioners that dabble in security, and those folks need help. I put out a post a couple months ago on LinkedIn, and I got some flack for it, And I basically said that MSPs are one of the best ways to supplement an organization that doesn't have cybersecurity practitioners or even IT practitioners. And people are like, oh, that's not the the best way or that's not the only way. I said, yeah, it may not be the only way, but it's probably one of the primary ways. I'd love to hear from you all. What else could small to medium-sized businesses do to supplement those skills, to supplement that capability? And honestly, I haven't really gotten a good answer from any of those folks. So I'd say that's where we're at today. Yeah, I'll have to search that post up and chime in because, you know, <laughs> I talk to so many people on this podcast and we talk about such sophisticated attacks and and just amazing tooling needed to counter them. There's no way that, you know, Detroit ice manufacturer is going to do any of that. Right. They need outside help. And it's the only way to get them up, up to speed, especially against targeted attacks. A hundred percent. And yeah, folks might look at MSPs as uh, being more IT centric, but I'll tell you what, I talk to MSPs just about every single day. And a lot of them are really put bringing in cybersecurity in a way that, is incredible. They're starting to package their services, IT and security. You get the the full kit and caboodle. Uh, there was a point in time where a lot of folks are like, "All right, you know, we'll give you IT, but uh, security is secondary." But I think folks are finding that as as long as you have somebody that's really focused on security, it's honestly going to make everyone's job easier because. What happens if there is a complication? What happens if there is an incident? A lot of things on the IT side have to change. There's a lot of uh, humdrum situations that can arise when uh, organizations dealing with an incident. And I would say that, you know, folks are really smart for starting to package that stuff together. There's a lot of MSPs that are looking for additional education. They're learning about how do we do incident response the right way? How do we uh, educate our clients about cyber insurance? There's so many things that folks are, are starting to learn and starting to have that cascading effect to the clients as well. So I think everyone is starting to learn. Uh, there's still a few folks out there that are kind of turning a blind eye to the cybersecurity problem. But I think that with everything that's been going on, cybersecurity is becoming that table discussion, even in households. I think the more people are, are starting to open their eyes to how important cybersecurity is. Yeah, I can't imagine trying to decouple security from the other IT functions today, you know, if you're going to manage a desktop, you're going to spend all your time patching it and recovering it from infection. That's all security. So you better be there. So, so Chris, this episode will be going out on Halloween. Uh, Any cybersecurity horror stories that you can share with our audience? Yeah, I do have a a cybersecurity horror story. I was working with uh, a client at one point in time, and uh, they just seemed to have an issue with uh, business email compromise, BEC. And they always kind of pointed the finger outward. Oh, it's this vendor. Oh, it's that vendor. But I think at the time that I was uh, helping them out, uh, they had like 16 uh, BECs that they were a part of in a year. 
And I think uh, at that point, when do you start to think that the call is coming from inside the house? And, you know, we never got to ground truth. Could it have been the the external prop, prop or uh, the external companies that were the issue potentially, but still, I think you have to kind of do your due diligence to kind of figure out, is it me? Am I the problem? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we, we all hear the horror stories. Some make it to the press. Um, I'm sure there'll be some amazing stories coming out of recent breaches in Vegas. Um, that oh, yeah. you know, we're talking about them, but you don't have the full backstory yet. And the most fun people to talk to are those that have done ransomware negotiation because Boy, do they have stories to tell. And they were, would definitely keep you up at night. Um, oh, yeah. What, you know, what do you think of the future and the uh, sophistication and malevolence of uh, attackers? They seem to be, um, they certainly don't seem to have any humanity about them. Um, you, you know, do you, do you see that changing, getting worse? What's it going to be like? I think it is getting worse, to be honest with you. Uh, there was a point in time where this wasn't a, a, a completely across the board, but there seemed to be uh, honor amongst thieves in some ways. It seemed like there were organizations or criminal or actors that just did not want to touch uh, hospitals, right? They didn't want to touch hospitals. They kind of somewhat stayed away from uh, critical infrastructure. But it seems like with how things have gone recently, because you have organized crime that are getting more sophisticated, and now they're starting to loan out infrastructure processes, capabilities out to anyone, anyone that can afford to pay for these types of services. And so you'll have ransomware as a service, you'll have these folks that are access brokers. And now someone that doesn't even know anything about cybersecurity can come in, do a cybersecurity operation against someone, do ransomware and get paid. And maybe they'll pay a little bit of a fee to the folks that they, they leverage that uh, capability from. But now, so everyone is getting into this game because they're trying to make money. And as you know, the more criminals that come into the crime arena, the more you're going to have those folks that really don't care about the the damages that happens. Uh, you know, I have a podcast and I've interviewed several, several folks. And uh, one of the folks that came on said that there's a degree of separation when you have a cyber criminal and they're just looking at bits and bytes, ones and zeros. They don't see the people that they're dealing with as people. They just see it as data. They see it as this amorphous blob of the internet. They don't think about the individuals and the impact that might happen to them. And that's why you see these things like scams. That's why you see these ransomware operations. So I would say that that's one of the things that has changed quite a bit. You have folks that now have more access to cybersecurity uh, capabilities, and you have more people that are in the crime arena. And so you're going to have a lessening of that morality in the, from a crime perspective. And I, I spent a lot of time um, writing about, talking about cyber warfare and, you know, pretty much came down to, hey, it, it's not a thing, you know, uh, just two sides are going to just be lobbing digital bombs at each other. But during any kinetic attack, any battles, cyber effects will be used as well. So I get very worried when there are multiple hotspots around the world in actual uh, networked countries engaged in physical battles because we're going to see some pretty dramatic use of cyber attack in those. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with everything that's kind of going on in the world, I mean, there's a lot of real world uh, conflict that's going on. And then, of course, that's 
going to be supplemented with cybersecurity um, operations as well. But I mean, honestly, when it comes to those types of scenarios, uh, my heart first goes out to the folks that are really dealing with the real world issues, the folks that are fighting in the trenches, the folks that are being hurt. Um, I'd say that that comes first and then the cybersecurity stuff kind of comes second. Uh, of course, there might be real world implications of cyber operations, but a lot of the times I would say the most damaging part is, is the war itself. Of course. Very well said. Thank you for that perspective. Chris, one of the things that certainly came about in 2023 and I fully expect to continue forever now is the impact of AI on our world of cybersecurity. Um, give, give me your perspectives because obviously a lot of people are talking about it. You know, I'm actually quite surprised uh, when generative AI became a thing, folks started looking at broader AI uh, more wholeheartedly. And I thought from my perspective, if I had to guess when I first saw that this was becoming a big thing in society, I thought that cybersecurity leaders and practitioners would accept AI with open arms because at the end of the day, we're all technologists. But honestly, it's been a mixed bag. Some folks are kind of annoyed about generative AI. They're like, oh, if I see another chat GPT thing, I'm going to lose it. Uh, but then you also have folks that are completely against it. They're completely, oh, we don't need AI. We need to push it. We need regulations to keep people from using it. But honestly, if you really look at AI, it's just an additional piece of technology that we could leverage to do good. Can we use it for bad? Of course. And that's even more of a reason for folks to use it for good, because the actors, the the, the bad folks are using AI to do their operations, right? They're able to make more legitimate looking phishing emails. They're able to target a little bit better. They're even able to have additional help in figuring out their operations, right? They're leveraging AI as much as they can to make a buck. And when you have someone that's driven by monetary value, they're going to iterate over and over and over again until it works. We have to do the same thing on the cybersecurity side. We need to leverage AI to help us out because it's very similar to a calculator. If I was someone that did math by hand and I was against someone that had a calculator, I'm going to lose 99.9% .9 of the time. And the same thing is going to happen with AI, if not worse, because now you have folks that basically have Iron Man suits built around them to do things from a, a malicious purpose. And if I come in and I don't have an Iron Man suit, it's going to be a tough fight for me. So we need to all be on that edge of the 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 adjacent possible we all need to be on that cutting edge of technology we need to get really clear on how we can leverage ai in a safe effective way to enable us to do more in cybersecurity. yeah i i think i'm right in alignment with you um i you know i'm all in i think ai is the biggest thing to happen in my life from a technology perspective bigger than the internet uh, when i yeah. first found it in 92 um this is huge and I, so i love seeing the fast applications where um, organizations are just adding the generative large language model stuff to interactions with large amounts of data to help people filter through it and make sense of it that's just like a no-brainer if it, it works it does a great job at that um and then the you know, of course i'm i track the emergence of new cybersecurity companies all the time and there's already close to a dozen AI safety uh, companies that are going to secure yeah. people's AI processes from different perspectives. 
And I, I think you're right. You mentioned the generative AI got people looking at the other realms of AI because we've heard about AI in security for years, almost to the point where we think people are just making stuff up. <laughs> uh, but we go, okay, yeah, we see how it worked on large language models. Let's somebody's going to come up with a way to make it work on, you know, sorting through uh, billions of logs, and that will be super, super powerful. Yeah, you know, funny enough, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll drop this here since you asked me about uh, a horror story. Um, I, I do a lot of writing. I'm actually in the middle of writing a script right now, and I'll I'll just give you the the basically the log line. It's about a man who is agoraphobic and doesn't really want to interact with the world, and so he has enough money to buy this AI, which can do a lot of his bidding for him. Uh, this AI can sit. Zoom calls and sit meetings and do work and do uh, different things for him. So he doesn't necessarily have to interact with people, but the AI starts to kind of take on a life of its own. And as this character wants to return to the real world and start interacting with people again, the AI has gone, has grown accustomed to being a part of the world and starts to shut him out of his life altogether and starts to pull things down. But yeah, I would say that would be a severe horror story when it comes to AI. But uh, yeah, what do you think about that, Richard? I love it. I love it. That, that's a really great take. I've been toying with a similar plotline. Um, I want. I don't think anybody's written Pygmalion with an AI yet because it, it's perfect setup, right? So the creator creates a AI in you know in the likeness of somebody that he falls in love with, and then you know bad things happen. And, Ooh, we're gonna have to swap uh, swap stories here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great one. And yeah, and back to the cyber side of things. My biggest concern is I keep hearing you know vendors provide solutions that reduce you know uh, main time or mean time to discover or mean time residing on your network of a of an attacker down to you know weeks instead of months and. You know, some claim and some companies that do a good job can find an attacker within hours. That's not going to cut it when you have automated attacks. And I think AI is going to lead to those automations um, where the AI is just figuring out what to do next. This isn't my idea. This is William Gibson's idea from Neuromancer, which he wrote, you know, 35 years ago. Um, it's just it's so obvious it's going to happen. We have got to be able to respond in minutes. And the the d desire on the part of the compliance people, the controls people, to not update firewall log firewall rules, you know, without a process is going to have to be uh, challenged. <laughs> because nope, there is going to be a time when your AI is going to decide to shut off the company from the internet, and you got to be okay with that. Yeah, and uh, like I think a lot of people misunderstand what these AI developers, these LLM developers are doing, a lot of the times they don't know where it's going to go. It's a very complex process. Uh, I saw a video that was talking about theory of mind and how, you know, I think it was like 2018, 2019, 2020, it went from a five-year-old to a seven-year-old to a nine-year-old to an adult uh, in 2023. But the most interesting part about that measurement was they didn't even realize this uh, ability was happening until like this year, until they re-looked at the data and were able to, to test it. And so it wasn't something they were doing intentionally. This is something that the AI was doing on itself. The AI can 
learn a language overnight for for some odd reason and it wasn't even programmed to learn that language these things kind of take on a mind of their own and so science fiction becomes science fact super quickly you said it thank you so much for everyone who joined us today i really appreciate your coming on and we hope you took a lot away from today's podcast for further information on what we've talked about please head on over to huntress.com We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to EM360Tech.com.